morning. So good to be together. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Al. I'm one of the leaders here at Gateway. It's so good to be together, to worship. Oh, I need to switch mics. My echoey. Job to change. Keep going. Okay, fine. So, if you were here last week, you'll know that we, were, we are starting a new preaching series called Encounters with Jesus. Keep going. Right. And which is going to take us through to the summer. And the whole purpose of this preaching series is to look at what happens when people encountered Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when he walked the earth, and what does that mean for us today? We're taking 11 or 12 weeks just to look through the Gospels and say, what happens when people met with Jesus, and how did he transform and change their lives? And today, I've got the privilege of speaking on the subject of Encounters with Jesus Part 2 about children. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, yes, love hearing about kids, and probably about two-thirds of you are thinking, fantastic, week off, switch off, don't need to engage with this. Please don't do that. This is for each one of us today, okay? I want us to engage with this subject together. We are going to open the Word of God today, and we're going to see what happens when the disciples and Jesus have this wonderful interaction and how he reframes their understanding of children. And then I want to simply ask us each to consider, what does that mean for us today? What does it mean for us to be a people who carry a passion and a zeal for children in this community? So don't switch off if you're thinking that kids aren't nothing. This is not a plea for a Sunday morning rotor, okay? Hear my heart on this. This is not a plea to get more kids workers. This is about young men and young women encountering the love and grace of Jesus Christ in this community and in the town. Thousands of young people and children broken, far from Jesus, hurting, confused, who need a church who step up and say, we're going to carry a passion for children and young people. That's what this morning is about. This morning is not about a Sunday morning kids' rota. If you want to serve on a Sunday morning kids' rota, you're very welcome. This is not what this morning is about. This morning is a provocation for us to carry something deep in our heart, of the heart of Jesus Christ, for children whom God has already given us, that we would carry a zeal to see them grow up as men and women of Jesus Christ and to carry a passion for the thousands of children and young people who don't know anything about the gospel. 95% of children in our nation are unchurched and unreached. We have to understand, that as we think about children and young people in our, in our generation, they are an unevangelized and unreached people group in our nation. And that's how we're to think about them. And so we're going to today explore this subject that Jesus, that Jesus and his disciples interact together, and we're going to see how Jesus' heart is to be our heart. Because if you're here this morning and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, the goal of being a follower of Jesus is to look at the way Jesus lived, everything about how he lived, and to take his habits and his patterns and his rhythms and his heart and his attitude and to say, I want that to be my own in my own life. And so today as we look at the subject of Jesus, we're to say, what is Jesus' heart for children? And does my heart reflect the same heart of Jesus? And if not, what am I going to do about it? Because the goal of discipleship isn't to come to church and give a few pounds into the offering. The goal of being a follower of Jesus is to mirror your life to that of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, Jesus loved children. And if we are a community that doesn't love children with a deep zeal and a deep passion, we haven't caught the heart of Christ. That's what I want to do this morning. So it's an invitation and a call to each one of us this morning. It's a provocation to each one of us to consider whether our heart is like that of Jesus Christ. And if not, how are we going to respond? What are we going to do about it? How are we going to make sure that our heart aligns ourselves 
to that of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, a very famous passage that many of you will know if you've been around church long enough. But we're going to focus it in particularly around how does Jesus interact with his disciples when it comes to the subject of children? And what can we learn about that? And how does Jesus' uh, teaching, how does what he shares with his disciples reframe their life? How does an encounter with Jesus change the disciples' heart towards children? That's what we're going to focus in. Not so much on what does it mean for children to come to Jesus. What I want to do is talk to us as the people of God and say, what does it look like for us to get the same heart as Jesus? That's what we're going to focus on this morning. So Mark chapter 10, verse uh, 13. If you've got your Bibles, turn to it. If not, it should come up on the screen. And they, probably means parents, were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. Mark chapter 10 is set in the region of Judea. Jesus is doing some teaching. There are crowds gathered. If you start, if you go to Mark chapter 10, verse 1, he left there, went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. So Jesus is with a crowd of people. And in Mark chapter 10, Mark records three dialogues that Jesus has. Firstly, with the Pharisees on marriage and divorce, then a dialogue about children, and then a dialogue about the rich young man. And in all three of these dialogues, they start in the same way. So in, verse, in, in chapter 10, verse 2, the Pharisees came up to Jesus in order to test him. So the Pharisees approached Jesus. That's the first dialogue. The second dialogue, and they, parents, were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the third interaction, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So in all three of these dialogues, people come and approach Jesus. But what I find fascinating in this passage is that when the Pharisees approach Jesus, the disciples say nothing. When the rich young man approached Jesus, the disciples say nothing. But when children come to approach Jesus, the disciples are having none of it. Now, I want to be careful to argue from silence. Arguing from silence is not a great you know, hermeneutic strategy for preaching the Bible. But I just want to say it's an interesting observation that when, the, when children try to approach Jesus, the disciples are there like bodyguards. They're Jesus' 12 security detail, like this. No, stay away, stay away, back away, kids. Not welcome here. You're an annoying distraction. Jesus has got these important people to talk to. Maybe what's going on in the disciples' mind right now is Jesus has just been talking to the Pharisees these important religious rulers of the day. And when he talks to the rich young man, they say nothing. But when children approach, they are not having any of it. We don't exactly know what's going on in their heart right now. The Bible doesn't tell us what's happening in the hearts of the disciples. But don't you think their understanding... Don't you think what's going on in their heart is that they just think the children are a disturbance and a distraction from the ministry of Jesus to the important people? Don't you think that's probably what's going on in their hearts right now, that actually Jesus has got some important teaching to do, and the kids, quite frankly, are better off if they stay a bit further back? 
and they're forming a guard, you can almost forming a guard around him. Stay away. Don't come here. He's got important work to do. Do you think Jesus is having any of that? Jesus is having none of his disciples' attitude and behavior. He is absolutely livid and furious with the disciples in this moment. I'm sure everybody in this room has had a moment, either as a parent or with your parents growing up, where they said to you, son, daughter, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. We've all had that moment, right? We've all said, if you, you, I had it said to me as a child, I've now said it to my own children. I think in this moment, Jesus is both angry and disappointed at the disciples, right? It's not that I'm angry, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. It's that I am angry and I'm also disappointed in you disciples because there's something going on in your heart that doesn't match my heart. The writers of the gospel, Mark, he uses this word, when Jesus saw the disciples' attitude, when he saw their heart, he was indignant. Now, the word indignant in in English kind of means anger or annoyance at an unfair treatment of people who would normally be oppressed or who are vulnerable. Now, Jesus, if you follow the New Testament, is a pretty feisty guy at points. He tells the Pharisees that they're a brood of vipers. He told Peter to get behind him, Satan. He turns the tables over in the temple. This is the only time in the whole of the New Testament that the gospel writers saw fit to describe Jesus' mood as indignant when he's interacting with his disciples who are not welcoming children in the way that Jesus wanted them to. And the word indignant in the original text in Greek literally means to cause much grief. The disciples in this moment grieved the heart of Jesus. They caused him much grief because what they were trying to do is form a barrier around Jesus so the kids couldn't get there. And Jesus is like, no, you have not understood my heart. You're completely missing the point. And he says, Mark records him as being indignant. If you're into football, this is like the ultimate Alex Ferguson hairdryer treatment at halftime. Not many people are into football, clearly. That's fine. I'm wrong, wrong crowd. Can you imagine being in the disciples' shoes at this moment when Jesus, they, they, they're like this, stay away, and Jesus looks at them and his eyes pierce their heart, and they're sort of in this moment like this, I imagine. You know, the, the kid, like, look at me, child, while I'm telling you off, like this. Like this. They don't want to look at him. He's looking at them, and he's indignant, and he says these words, let them come. Let them come. Do not hinder them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It's like he's saying, guys, you have misunderstood my heart for children, and their place in the kingdom of God. The way you are being, the way you're trying to force them away and push them away, you haven't understood my heart that these children are equal in the kingdom of God, that they too can come and receive life in the kingdom, that they too are welcome, that they too are accepted, and they are too chosen. And I think this is one of those light bulb moments for the disciples. If you read the Gospels, you see they have so many light bulb moments where... Where they're like, I think this way. And Jesus is like, no, no, don't think like that. Think like this. 
And I can imagine being there at this moment where they're getting this furious telling off by Jesus, quite frankly. And they go, oh, that's what it looks like to carry a heart for children as equals in the kingdom of God. And what is Jesus' heart? Welcome, love, acceptance, honor, inclusion in the kingdom of God. And if you follow the story of scripture through the gospels, you will see this is far from an isolated incident. Jesus uses children as an example right the way through his ministry. Jesus heals children. Jesus sets them free. He tells his followers not to cause children to stumble. He receives praise and worship from Jesus. Right the way through the gospel, we see these interactions with Jesus and children that show his heart for them is one of radical love and acceptance in a way that was completely countercultural. What we need to understand is that the view that Jesus had of children that's revealed in his heart through the Gospels is completely countercultural to the ancient world. Nowhere else in the ancient world will you find a view of children like that of Jesus Christ. Okay, in the Greek and Roman worldview, children were seen as weak, pathetic, a burden on society, of little value. It was an accepted practice to abandon babies in the streets if you no longer wanted them. They were subject to massive injustice. But the way of Jesus turns things upside down in every way, and he turns things upside down for children as well. And maybe this is why Jesus is so indignant, because he's he's in a culture where children are seen as weak and pathetic and a burden, and maybe he says, disciples, why are you more acting the way of the world and less acting the way of Jesus, which is come to me, children, come to me, come to me. You are welcome and loved and accepted. Maybe that's why he's so mad at them. Because he sees them going down a pathway which is far more like the culture of the day and far less like the way of Jesus. Now, the gospel doesn't tell us exactly how the disciples responded other than probably one of those moments. Whoops, we got it wrong there. You can imagine them later over, if if there was an episode of The Chosen about this, you can imagine them over a fireplace talking about it going, hey, Peter, we made a right mess up of that, didn't we? Yeah, we did, Matthew. Better do, next, do better next time. We don't actually know exactly, but what we do know is that in the first 300 years, the early church got hold of the heart of Jesus in a radically countercultural way. We see the church over the first few hundred years of declaring and teaching that children were of equal value to adults, which was radically countercultural. We see a church who rescued, literally abandoned babies and children from the street and adopted them into their own families. We saw a church who spoke up against injustices against children. We saw a church that instructed parents how to teach the way of Jesus. And the early church changed society's view of children bit by bit by bit over decades. So we might not know exactly what happened to the disciples' heart in this moment, but what we do know is that followers of Jesus got hold of his heart for children and young people and and started to welcome them and include them in a way that was totally countercultural to the age and the era that they live in. And my point is this. Follower of Jesus, to become like Jesus, means to get his heart for children. One of the ways that we become more like the person of Jesus Christ is to have his heart for children in the kingdom of God. That's one of the ways that we get his heart. That's one of the ways that we start to mirror Jesus to the world is that we get his heart for children. That we carry a passion and a zeal just like Jesus did. 
And so what I want to do this morning is I want to call us just to think about this together. And I want to ask each one of us just to do some heart examination. Just for a moment, I want to ask a very simple question. Because this is about us as a community, not about a few people on a Sunday morning, out that room or out that room, or a few people here on a Friday night serving our young people. This is about a generation who need to experience and encounter the love of Jesus through the church, both in this community and into the town. And my simple question is this. What is your heart towards children and young people in this family and in the town? What is your heart towards children and young people in this community and in our town. And when you consider your heart, does it mirror that of Jesus? Does your heart and attitude and worldview of children mirror that of our Savior, Jesus Christ? What goes on internally on a Sunday morning when our children are disrupting us and distracting us? What goes on in your head? What goes on in your heart? What happens when you see teenagers seemingly disconnected from faith? What's going on in here? Or what happens when you're in the street and you see two transgender children walking up to you, which I saw on the other day? What goes on in your heart in that moment? What's going on? Is it love? Is it compassion? Is it mercy? Is it justice? Or is it judgment and criticism? And I want to call us as a family into the way of Jesus in how we view children. I want to call us to have a heart like Christ. And the reason I'm talking about our heart is because Proverbs tells us that from our heart flows the springs of life. What's in here determines what flows out from us. And what I'm calling us to and what I'm provoking us to is as a family, that investment and discipleship and mission to children and young people is the ministry of the church, not a few people. It's for us, not one or two. It is our collective responsibility to teach and model to these children in our community what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And it's our collective responsibility to carry a heart and a passion and a zeal for children and young people in this town. It's our responsibility. It's not my responsibility as leading the youth team. It's not Lizzie's who leads the kids' team out there or Doug and Esther who are out there. It is our collective responsibility to take heart, Jesus' heart, and say, what does this mean for children and young people in this community? What does it mean for children and young people in Swindon? Yes, we need to invest in our children's work. Yes, we need to think about how we do Sundays and how we make sure children are valued in it. But what this actually needs, what I believe will rewrite the story for children in this community, for young people in this place and in the town, is us getting a heart like Jesus. If we get a heart like Christ, if we know that we've been utterly transformed by him and our heart is love and acceptance and welcome and open arms, that will start to change the story for children and young people in this place and in our town. That's the starting place. It comes from the heart gateway. It comes from our heart. Children and young people are disconnecting from faith at an alarming rate. At an alarming rate. 
if that doesn't break your heart, I want to invite you to go home and go to Jesus and say, Get my, let me have your heart, Jesus. Children in this town are hurting and confused and lonely and broken, and Jesus is the answer. He is the way to true freedom. He's the only path to freedom. And we have a generation outside of, these, of this building who don't know who they are, and we have the only means of answer in the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to get Jesus' heart into us because a changed heart will lead to changed behavior. It's only a changed heart, Gateway. I don't want to talk so much about what does this look like for each one of us. I just want to say and call us to simply examine our hearts and say, are we like Christ? Pulsing through our hearts, is it a love and a desire an attitude that says to children and young people, we love you, you're welcomed, Jesus loves you. Is that the posture of our hearts? Let me tell you, when we first moved to Swindon 15 years ago, I had no interest in getting involved in serving young people. And then one day, Colin came up to me and Sarah and said, hey, how about getting involved in youth work? And we were like, oh, come on. Like, yeah, we'll serve, we'll happily do anything, but really, not that. We never actually found what we wrote in our journal, but it's probably like, no thanks. Anyway, some reason, you know, God must have, he, he stepped in and we said, okay, we'll get involved. And honestly, God has completely changed my heart for young people. In a way that every time I tried to stop being involved with them, he just won't let me. Because one, as Katie said to me the other day, once you've invested yourself, once your heart has been gripped for children and young people, it, it never goes away. It doesn't go away. Once you've invested into children and young people and you carry a passion like Jesus, it's like it's just a deposit in your heart. And it, it, it doesn't go away. I don't want it to go away either. And what I believe that God wants to do this morning, I meant to buy some plants, but I completely forgot yesterday. Because I felt like God gave me this picture. You know when you go to B&Q or a garden centre or whatever, and you get these pack of like 12 little plants, and you're to go home and you're to plant them, and they grow up to be kind of mature trees or bushes or flowers or whatever. And I believe this morning that I had this picture of distributing these flowers, into these plants, these small plants into people's hearts. And God's going to take something small that looks like this, no bigger than this, and he's going to turn it into something beautiful into each one of you. I believe it's like he's going to deposit into your heart and into your heart. And he's depositing something into your heart and into your heart, and it's going to grow up and bear fruit in this community. Because changed hearts will lead to changed way of life for us. Hey, our kids are going to come back in a minute and cause chaos. That's fantastic. That's exactly what we need in this moment. What might it look like? It might look like simply, I'm going to pray for one child or young person in this community by name. It might look like advocating for justice for children and young people in our town. It might look like saying to parents, hey, let me just come alongside you and encourage you and pray for you on this journey of parenting. It might look like saying to some of our young people, hey, can we just, can we just hang out in McDonald's once a week? Let me just talk to you about Jesus. It might look like saying to the kids team, hey, can I come on a Sunday morning and be involved? I don't really mind what it looks like. What I'm saying is this is a heart thing. And we need to get a heart like Jesus Christ in this moment. I'm going to finish with this, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our children as they come back in, which is, which is fantastic timing. I just want to say this on the subject of investing in children and young people in this community. And I, don't want to, I just want to speak to the men in the room a minute. So men, you're going to get a bit of a rocket. I want to challenge you here. Across the whole of this family, 
there are only seven men who are actively investing into the ministry of our children and young people in a kind of more of a, in our structured way. That's not okay. I want to speak to some of the men in this place and say God wants to call you to be fathers to our children and our young people. I want to honour the mothers. I want to honour the older sisters. But I want to speak to the men in a moment and I want to say I want to call you. And I want to challenge you. Kids work is not for mothers only. It's for mothers and fathers. And our children need fathers in this house who are models of them a life in the kingdom of God. And I want to provoke you a bit this morning and say it's not okay if you're sat there and you're like, it's not my thing. Investing in young people and children is your thing. And men, it's time to step up. Men, it's time to invest in a way to act as fathers and older brothers to our children and young people in this community. Can I invite you, if you're comfortable, you want to, just to stand. I just want to close with a time of prayer for our children and young people.